Generation. I am your host, Rob Logan, and this episode is a conversation with the amazingly talented Roger Craig Smith. You may know him as the voice of Ezio Auditore from the Assassin's Creed franchise, Batman from Arkham Origins and Batman Unlimited, Captain America from Avengers Assemble, Mirage from Apex Legends, Sonic the Hedgehog for the past 10 years, and the list goes on and on. This is, without exaggeration, one of my absolute favorite interviews I've ever done. Roger is such a great guy and was so generous with his time, and I can't wait for you to hear it. We talk about how he got started in entertainment, some advice for getting into voice acting, struggling with social media, photography, not struggling with photography, just photography, which character of his got way more popular than he expected, and his thoughts on the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Before we do, though, just a reminder that you can support our efforts here at The Geek Generation by becoming a backer on Patreon. If you're a regular listener, can afford to do so, and would like some exclusive bonus podcasts, you can head over to thegeekgeneration.com slash support and put some cash in our pockets so we can keep making cool things for you. Again, that's thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Now that that's out of the way, Here's my conversation with Roger Craig Smith. I guess the, the the first kind of thing that I was always curious about in any entertainer, anyone that gets into this business is like, where did that all start for you? Like, how early on were you like, I want to be an entertainer? Oh, man. Uh, I guess the, uh, my gosh, I just looked at my hair. I haven't, uh, <laughs> that's funny. I, I styled it after getting out of the shower and it looks like I'm like, I'm going to school. Um, <laughs> COVID cuts. Yeah, right. You know what? I think it honestly, I think it probably started out. In fact, I just told this joke recently about, man, I, I must have been four and we were doing a preschool play of Charlotte's Web. And for preschool kids, it's like, for whatever reason, those plays are just like kids walk around in, in a circle on the stage in costumes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But they, they had one speaking line in the uh, in the play. And it was, uh, for whatever reason, they, they had one of the kids say, Mr. Zucker, you're going to the, or Zuckerman or Zucker, I can't remember. You're going to the, uh, to the fair. And, uh, and they gave me a microphone to say the line and I just like, you know, I, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so I, I, at 44, I still have that memory of ha- getting that opportunity to do that. So I probably, wow. I think from being a little kid early on, I recognized what it felt like when I could do something that, that, that other people started to laugh at. Okay. And, and I realized the the sort of affect that you can have in that way. And so I, I guess that would be the, uh, the, the answer is that I, I, I think as early as four, I started to realize, oh, being funny People like that. And uh, and so maybe that's what started the idea of like, oh, I want people to like me, so I'm going to try to be as funny as I can, you know, and and do funny and silly things and see if they'll they'll laugh more and that kind of thing. So I, I guarantee you it started back at that time. And then I was doing children's musical theater through sort of middle school. I'd try to get involved in plays and things like that. I was doing uh, plays in middle school and then theater arts in high school. Uh, did stand-up comedy after that, sort of before, during, and ch- shortly after college and then uh as a result of doing stand-up the the voiceover stuff started to kind of 
people started in the industry started asking about that, and that's what launched my interest in pursuing uh, voiceover. Oh, cool! Because it paid better than comedy. <laughs> <laughs> how much? How much support did you have as a kid? Being like, oh, this is the thing that I'm gonna I'm gonna head towards because it's it's a risky business. Like, not everyone gets to that level. Well, I don't know that I was heading towards it. That's what's interesting. I mean, I I graduated college with a screenwriting degree at the age of 27. So I I had I got out of high school and was very much directionless. I didn't take the the SATs. I didn't. Uh, I I was I had no clue what I was going to do. And at that time, I was sort of pursuing music. I thought maybe that would be where I wanted to go. Um, but I had never really professionally been educated in music, so that was a bit of a struggle. Um, I you know it was I really was just sort of all over the map. I knew that it, that being creative was what sort of like fueled me. Okay. But I didn't know where to go. And nobody in my family was involved in the creative arts in that way. So it wasn't like I had like a roadmap that somebody had laid out for me. And so, I, you know, really and truly the, uh, the, the turning point was upon graduating from college, uh, my mom at the time was able to say, look, uh, you know, this is, it, it, she was seeing what I was just starting to lean towards in terms of the, the voiceover and knowing that like, you know, working and going to get just a, a, a jobby job was going to be kind of a pain um, mm. and would limit my ability to be able to be instantly available for the voiceover work. She said, look, it's like a small business loan. I can cover your rent for now and health insurance, you know, monthly payments, and then everything else is all yours. So if you got to do like a part-time job at night, you know, the way most mm. struggling actors try to make a living, go right ahead, just know that it's all going on a spreadsheet and you owe me this money. Oh, wow. And, um, and she said, you know, but if if you if you choose to do this, this is not me giving you a handout. This is not me helping or supporting or propping you up. But it's you empowering yourself to make the decision that you're going to put yourself into debt in pursuit of this goal that you seem to be leaning towards. And that was a catalyst that that it just gave me the opportunity to kind of go, yeah, okay, I can give this a, a decent shot that it it deserves. Yeah. Uh, and so I was very very fortunate, uh, very lucky to have that opportunity because a lot of people don't. Yeah, that's a great structure. It was great. And and I liked that it was like, look, this is this is a decision you are making for yourself. This is not your mommy helping you out. This is not, you know, this yeah. is no different than if you walked into a bank and said, I just, I'm going to try to apply for a loan. And so she said, uh, you know, it, it, your decision if you want to do this and sat and thought about it for a while and then eventually came back and we worked it out. And thankfully within, I mean, a couple of years of, of really pursuing it to that degree, I was able to pay her back in full. And then, uh, Things started getting really good and busy, and uh, years later, uh, and to this day, she still is my bookkeeper. Uh, so I ended up hiring her. <laughs> oh <laughs> so wow, that's awesome! She was a, she was a former business accountant, so it worked out perfectly. It's like to have somebody in the family that you can trust to to manage finances and to kind of keep an eye on things and to, to help you with all the the tax related issues and all that kind of stuff, and and setting me up with tax attorneys and CPAs and that kind of thing. So it's it, it worked out. It, it was almost diabolical on her part. You know, she helped <laughs> yeah, me out, awesome. and then I ended up giving her money. <laughs> it's like. But no, so it was uh, that that was the support. I mean, um, it wasn't necessarily an emotional thing. Uh, she's not that that type. You know, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't like you know believe in your dreams and go for it, sweetheart. It was like, hey, if this is what you want to do, I can help out, but it's your decision. That's kind of her way, though, right? That's how she goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So obviously, comedy is a huge through line through your career. Like totally. we see it pop up all the time, even in just the stuff you put out on Twitter and everything is freaking hysterical. I love <laughs> the it. dumb the dumb dad jokes. <laughs> I'm I'm into it. Like you uh, and Tara cool. in the studio is some of the, oh, the yeah, best yeah. stuff. Oh my god, so good. I love that stuff. So was was comedy? You said early on it was something you wanted to focus on. Getting people to laugh got them to like pay attention and and like you more. Was it always continuing in that direction, or did you start to like move away from comedy at a certain point? 
Yeah, I mean, really and truly, the the catalyst was payment. Uh, I know that sounds awful, but well, you know what? I I shouldn't say that. That that sounds greedy. But it uh, it really and truly was me kind of getting a, a good enough taste of comedy, and I I wasn't like a uh, I didn't have observational stuff. I was doing characters and voices in my act. Okay. And and so that was where I think more people started kind of looking at it and going, hey, you know, you should really think about this. And, you know, and, and you would host, you would MC like little charity events and things like that or run an auction after, a, you know, doing comedy for like a corporate event, that kind of thing. And people were like, oh, you got a nice speaking voice. Do you do radio? And so you'd start to hear little questions like that. Then you'd hear people saying, oh, your characters are so funny. Do you do cartoons? And it was like, no, I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't know how you do that. And uh, finally, we were trying out for the Aspen Comedy Festival, and this is a story I've told before, but the woman that was there to sort of critique us after our show at the Improv, she kind of goes down the line of comedians that were there that night and gives them the critique. And then she got to me, and she goes, who represents you for voiceover? I went, oh, nobody. Uh, And she goes, oh, you do a ton of characters and voices in your act. You should really look into that. And that's all she said about my comedy. She didn't oh, say wow. anything. <laughs> didn't say anything about like, you know, hey, you'd be great for the Aspen Comedy Festival. She was like, hey, you should really look elsewhere. At another career. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so I went, okay. But I went, well, there's an industry professional telling me something that I needed I need to take notice. And so I did. And uh, and what ended up happening is I, as I was doing more of the stand-up and I, you know, did some road gigs and it's like, I recognized, I mean, just it's a tough, tough, tough way to make a living. And I have the utmost respect for these guys that go out and, and become road dogs and just do this. It's extremely gratifying and it can be very therapeutic and cathartic and all those icks. But it, uh, it's it's really tough. And I also kind of had to start looking around at the industry and I was seeing a lot of self-medicating in some of my colleagues. I was seeing a lot of mm. like issues that I went, I don't know if this is... This is not me. Like this is this wasn't anything where where I I don't think I had the need for it, mm. and I also don't think I was going to be a very good steward of the industry in terms of I had an act. I wasn't trying to be raw and real and to share my my viewpoints. It's no no different than the jokes that I make on Twitter. I mean, you know, my friends know me. I might have a mouth like a truck driver outside of school kind of thing, but I look at it like when I'm on Twitter, I have kids that follow me on on there because they're fans of little children's series that I might be part of or and I represent products and companies and entities that are much bigger than than I am and therefore I should be responsible in that. And I I I just was looking at the comedy world going, "Yeah, this doesn't this doesn't resonate with me." Mm. And uh and as at that same time, the the voiceover work and, and I was still pursuing screenwriting. I'd had a screenplay that was actually in development for a while. And the whole time that we were working on this, the screen, the uh, the voiceover just kind of started picking up and picking up and picking up. And I was realizing, oh, you can make money doing this. And unbeknownst to me, it was the perfect blend of all these things that I really and truly enjoyed, which was, you know, stand up is kind of like, look, you get up on that stage when it's you, if it's great, you get to sit there and go like, man, I, I did this. I, I created this content and worked really hard on it and honed this joke to make it land better. And so I take full credit for it. And uh, that that's a fun aspect of stand-up, that challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, screenwriting was was great because I loved the idea of like a you know, sort of beginning, middle, and an end to everything and story arc and character development and that kind of thing. And what makes a screenplay work? What's What makes dialogue work really well? And uh, next thing you know, in performance, just the, the idea that I, there's people on the other side of the glass that I get to make like me yeah uh, like my performance like what i do and that was children's theater and theater and all that all of a sudden i get in the vo booth and it's all three of those things kind of combined yeah. into one and i went this this really just this works for me and it's nice too that uh, people seem to be responding to it and they like what i do and it's still competitive like like uh stand-up was uh so there is a little bit of that 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 aspect but um it, it really was just a all of those things kind of happening at the same time and me really just 
after a few nights of just kind of going, man, I'm, I'm babysitting drunks on some nights. And it's like, if you don't have the full support of a club with really good staff and a, and, a, and really and great management, there's yeah. been a couple of instances where it was just like, man, the, these, this guy doesn't care. He's got people in his audience that are running amok. And, and it's like every comic that's coming to the stage is having to try to shut these guys down. Mm-hmm. They've been overserved and the staff won't kick them out. And it, it's like, at some point you just go, this isn't fun. This isn't, it's ruining it for, for everybody else. And it became more work than it was worth when yeah. when these club owners so often were trying to nickel and dime you out of stuff, and you know they'd claim that they didn't remember the negotiation that was set up through a booking agent and all that stuff, and you know so they they play these games, and it was like I don't want to do this, and then all of a sudden it was like oh here's this professional industry where all these things that I enjoy kind of you know collectively come to fruition, and I get paid better, <laughs> and yet treated like an adult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was it. That's the long story, but it was it was a combination of the fact that a it was paying better and just yeah. paying at all really with stand up, and uh, and I just found it to be far more gratifying and a little a little more like I like this. I like the idea that I can do something that makes kids laugh or that families can gather around and kind of enjoy. Whereas with stand up, it's you know it's adults twenty one and over kind of thing. Yeah, no, I totally. I mean, I was an open micer for like a year and gotcha. never never got to the point of like being paid consistently or anything. Yeah, yeah. But I saw all that same stuff for sure. Like there was one show I was at where they didn't even have chairs. There's just yeah, everybody standing at the same level with me. I'm like, what oh, is yeah. this? I've done like horrific gigs where like you know because you, you get these friends who are like, dude, I think it's so awesome that you're doing stand up, and so they all of a sudden they're like, I manage this punk rock band, and they want to have like an album release party, and like you want to come do stand up, and you're like, um. They're like, no, man, you're so funny. Everybody will dig it. And you're like, I don't think you understand. And you show up and it's like, I go to this, this awful club and, you know, it's like, I'm standing there in my polyester shirt with like a yucky yuck, I'm a comic. And, you know, and my pants and, and there's dudes with like, you know, egg whites in their hair because they've spiked it up kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> and they're yeah. looking at you and there's, and it's so stereotypical. The guy like does like, all right, what's up everybody? Who's here to, you know, to see, you know, insert band name here. And the, the crowd goes nuts and they go, yeah. And they go, but, but first, first we're going to have, yeah. exactly. <laughs> And it just goes to that. And then all of a sudden, here's this this goofy dude with, like, you know, gel in his hair that's like, hey, everybody. <laughs> and it was like, you know, th- that kind of thing. And ever, it's just standing room only. And you start to get a little laugh. And people start to realize if you're self-deprecating, that it's cool to laugh at you. Yeah. And then they kind of heckle you and stuff. But it was like, man, that's not – Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. It, it's, it, it can really kind of, you know, put some hair on your chest. But it can also kind of go, do I really want to say <laughs> this is what I do for a living, you yeah. know? Because everybody, it's the same thing. Uh, I mean, like the the, the quote from, uh, I think Tom Kenny said this, and I don't know where he got it from, but he said like, if the world of entertainment were superheroes, voice actors would have the power of invisibility. And it meaning it's like, we're as out there as we want to be. Yeah. So if I sit down on a plane, and, and, and it depends on the age range of the person, but if somebody asks what I do, sometimes I'll just say I'm a teacher. And they usually leave you alone. Yeah, ah, teacher. Yeah, third grade. Love little guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, they just leave you alone. They don't ask, you know, follow-up questions. I, I mean, if you're a comic and you say that, there's all sorts of like, well, let me hear some of your, your material. It's like, oh no, tell me a joke. Yep. I got pulled over in Fullerton after coming back from the improv one night. And you know, it's like the guy was claiming that I was speeding and he had the wrong speed limit. And I was telling him like, bro, I live on the street. You're telling me I was doing 35, you know, in a 25 and it's 35 miles an hour is the speed limit. And he's like, no, no. And I'm like, okay. And he finally yeah. let me go. But then he was like, where are you coming from? And I had my little polyester shirt on. It was like the improv <laughs> in Irvine. He's like, what are you doing there? I was like, I was actually performing stand-up. He's like, oh, you're a comedian. You think this is funny a bit? And I was like, oh, my God. If you only knew how stereotypical your response is right, right now right. as a cop. And it was like that kind of thing. It was like, ugh, I, I don't, I, I, I just didn't like the idea of like that being the thing. And then everybody thinks you're doing a bit all the time. If you're being yes. funny, it's like, I need, I need attention. I need you. It's like, no, I do this 
as you see on Twitter, it's like, yeah, this is life. Yeah, it's like I I do this just to just to do it. I mean, I I, I get it. I look like a like a fool very often, and it's like, but I'm doing it because it's like if it makes you roll your eyes or chuckle a little bit. It's either that or I could just keep retweeting horrific things that, you know, our president's doing or that, you know, some violent video that I've seen online. It's like, nah, I'll do dad jokes and stupid stuff. We'll yeah. stick with that. Yeah. So like when you when you get the kind of bug planted in your head of, hey, voice acting is a thing, maybe you should consider this. How do you even find the way in? Because I know that's the thing that's hardest for so many people. It really, yeah, it is, um, and and I wish I could tell you that there's that there's a there, that there's a right or a wrong answer. For the longest time, I would send you to like D. Bradley Baker's websites. I would I would say go follow Bob Bergen, listen to what uh, uh, Tara Platt and Yuri Lowenthal have on their book, a uh, voice yep. actor, voiceover voice actor, what it's like, what it's like behind the VO mic. I think is what it is, uh, the full title. And, and and I still suggest all of that. Educate yourself. Go take classes. Go do all that. But at the end of the day. My, my pat answer lately has just been, I can tell you this right now, you're never going to have my career. And then I wait and I wait to see if they get irritated <laughs> by that. And I go, well, then you're not going to make it because the next thing that I say is, and I'm never going to have yours. I don't know what you're going to bring to this business that I don't do or that any of these other unbelievably talented people mm. do, but everybody's got a different way in. It's not that we all took Bob Bergen's animation class and then got discovered by our agency back then. And, you know, it's like, that's what happened to me. I could tell mm. you to go do that, but it's not going to work for you. So I could say, go stand on this line, go read this book. It's, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's going to work. It really and truly starts as an entrepreneurial endeavor. Mm -hmm. And, and that's up to your own ability to understand that you're going to be putting yourself out there, uh, that you're going to be making mistakes, that you shouldn't be ashamed of where you're at. And if you can deal with all that, then go knock on some doors. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, in Orange County area where I was based at the time, I put on a suit and tie, which was way too formal, but I wanted to kind of make an impression. And I map quested a bunch of different uh, post-production facilities that at the time, I, I'm wow. sure I probably Alta Vista'd uh, to date myself, <laughs> right? Uh, ask Jeeves. Um, so I probably l looked up all these like post-production places in Orange County. And some of them were like, like they were mom and pop places that actually was just like a mailbox. And it was like, oh, this is a videographer's company. This isn't an actual post-production facility. Yeah, yeah. But I, w I drove up. I took the world's worst voiceover demo that I had paid uh, an audio engineer at my film school, 50 bucks to record me reading magazine ads out loud with no background sounds, no music, no nothing. Wow. And yeah, and just said, here, I'll just go see. And I walked and I would knock on doors and I'd say, I, I am trying to get started in this business. I know nothing in, uh, about it really and truly. I've taken some classes. I'm good. Uh, you know, and I, my little moniker was like, you got Hollywood talent at an Orange County price. Uh, and I'm absolutely willing to do the first one for free. You know, if, if you guys would be willing to just give me the shot. Mm. And I went to 11 places. Three of them were impressed. Three of them hired me. And I think to this day, they still try to get me in to, to, to come in and do stuff. That's amazing. And this is, this is 15 years later, um, if not longer. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's like that was my approach. I could tell you to do the same thing and maybe that works for you. Maybe it doesn't. But you're going to have to find out. I mean, I, yeah. I reached out, found out that local cable companies the local division of that cable company and might be something as big as time warner but there was the time warner that was based down in san juan capistrano area it was like san juan capistrano what I, no i'm getting that uh, rancho santa margarita that i i somehow got somebody's email sent them you know a link to like my website where i was putting up mp3s of my demo file mm -hmm. and that kind of thing and the guy you know uh ended up hitting me up saying hey man could you read this script we'll give you 30 bucks and it was like okay and it was like a local cable ad saying, you know, like Tom's Chevron here at fourth and Maine has, you know, hot dogs two for a dollar. And you would just do that. And it was like, oh, and next thing you know, you'd wait six months for a $30 check and it would, uh, <laughs> 
it would roll in. But then, then somebody else at the same company would be like, Hey, I used this guy, Roger. He was quick. He has a decent setup at home. And, and he, you know, he seems like he's hungry. And pretty soon it's like, well, then it was 60 bucks and then 90 bucks and then there's a hundred bucks. And then yeah. pretty soon it was like, oh, more and more. And then you started like branching out and finding out that, oh, there's a really nice, you know, studio here in Orange. And you send them, you know, as you revise your uh, demo and you get a little better in understanding of things. And then you go take another class to meet the person that owns the building where the class is being taught. Mm-hmm. So you can say, hey, man, I'm local. Would you, you know, and it's all of a sudden that $250 investment results in a $500 gig and you're 250 bucks ahead. You just go, oh, okay. That's the entrepreneurial approach. And how you're going to do that as advice beyond me. I I don't know your area, your region. I don't know your your conviction to this. Mm -hmm. And I get it. It's, it's, I mean, now more than ever with what we're all dealing with, it's, it's everything feels so daunting and it's it's easy to look at the beginning stages of this and go, my gosh, there's the uh, what I was going to say that the Matterhorn, <laughs> there's the there's the top of the mountain. Yeah, I'm um, using like a Disneyland reference right at this point. That's, <laughs> that's that's what most people's knowledge of the Matterhorn is. Like you know that thing at Disneyland? It's not that tall. Um, you know, it's like there's the top of the mountain. How do I, and that's where I want to be. Yeah, and and it just seems I'll never get there. And it's like no, you don't have to focus on the top of the mountain. Like focus on getting yourself into the parking lot at the base, you know, like, like start there and know that you should not be ashamed of where you're at. That one of the first bits of advice is take the word aspiring off of anything you have on your social media feed or your business card or that kind of thing. Like hobbyist wannabe. I see these things all the time and I go, yeah, Mm. you're, you're telegraphing to everybody that you're not to be taken seriously. But if what you want to be is a voice actor and you put aspiring voice actor on your, then you're telling everybody you're not professional. And what you can do is say, I am a voice actor. And if somebody goes, what have you done? And you go, all sorts of stuff. What would you like me to do? You know, like, what are you interested in? And I'll see if I can't be a good fit for you. Like, it's the difference of, yeah, deep down in my soul, I know I'm not really where I think I should be because the top of the mountain's over there. Mm-hmm. And, and or I'm so fearful that that's what everybody's going to judge me against and that kind of thing. Screw that. Just kind of, you know, go like, no, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm Hollywood talent on an Orange County budget. And uh, I'm good, and uh, and you're gonna get me at the uh, the early stages of what's gonna be an incredible career, and I'll do the first one for free. And if people don't like that and respond to it, then it's like, eh, whatever. But a lot of people are like, all right, I like that. We'll give you a shot. Yeah, you know? why not? Whole yeah. fake it till you make it kind of attitude. And absolutely, it's, yeah, yeah, and and not even faking it. You're really and truly saying like, I, this is where I'm at. I, I yeah yeah. You haven't heard of me. That doesn't mean that I'm not good. It doesn't mean that yeah. you shouldn't give me a chance. And, and so it's, it's not saying like, oh, you know, I'm uh, HBO and I, you know, I'm the president of the United (laughs) States. And he's like, what? Like that doesn't, you know, it's, it's more just about saying own it. And in the meantime, do your research, educate yourself, you know, take some classes make sure you're not going out there. A lot of people buy a, you know, what is it? That snow microphone or whatever, that little blue blue Yeti or whatever. Yeah. yeah, The blue Yeti. And it's like, and they plug it into their laptop and they think that they're suddenly a voice actor. And it's like, no, Mm. that that's not quite how it works. You got to go out and actually try to see what. Uh, what mistakes you're going to make and what can you avoid as often as possible, but you're still going to make mistakes. And then once you know that you've got a decent sounding setup and you, you know, you, you can reach out to people who uh, I would, I would suggest that if you're going to get, get advice from anybody for voiceover, get it from the opposite sex because you're not competing with them. 
Um, mm, and it, it's, it's like, I have no problem helping a young lady, uh, try to figure out what she wants to do as far as voice acting goes. But if there's a young dude that's coming at me going like, Hey bro, I want to, I want to be the voice of like, I'll be like, uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I need my job stability. <laughs> exactly. It's like you represent my competition with all due respect. Like, you know, yeah. but here, uh, go hit up, uh, this particular person. She might be more than willing to give you some advice. So go that route. You know, it's yeah. like all that stuff plays into it. Uh, you mentioned kind of like staying in the in the background or like being as visible as you want to. Do you ever like because because you've done voices for like radio for like K Rock and all that stuff? And yep. when you're like out in the wild and you're hearing yourself, is there ever like a little bit of I want everyone to know that that's me in this moment kind of thing? No, I'm almost the exact opposite. So really? I, it's it's not almost. I pretty much am the exact opposite. Like I love what I get to do. I I because I came from like a background in stand up and. I know that sounds like an attention grabbing kind of a thing, but really the allure of stand up to me was that challenge of like, it's not about being the coolest guy on the stage that night. It's about did the stuff that I worked on for this particular set work and what did mm. I learn and that challenge of, okay, so for the next time I got to figure out how to, I know I believe in this joke, I, and it's, but it's not landing the way I wanted to. I've got to find a different way to, you know, it was the, always that kind of a thing. The craft first kind of. Yeah, craft first. And screen screenwriting was my major because I wanted to be a part of a production team. I liked the idea of being in the trenches sort of behind the scenes, but still having that creative impact. And so for me, voice acting is kind of the same thing. In fact, I really struggle with the social media aspect of this, mm. uh, simply because, you know, at 44 now, I've been going gray since I was in my, you know, like late 20s. But at 44, I've got the gray beard going and all that kind of stuff. And people now suddenly have a chance to connect you to a character that they think is young and hunky or... A, a talking blue hedgehog <laughs> or or that kind of thing and it's like ooh, ooh that i don't know what i thought but and they think of you as this character and visually they're connecting the two whereas it didn't used to be that way i could go mm. to a convention and meet fans that they're there because they want to meet the voice actor for the you know the thing that they sure. like and it didn't really matter what you looked like now with social media followings and content and appearances and aesthetics and all that stuff it kind of plays a little bit into it mm-hmm and I, I, I don't like that. I also, I kind of like going to my job, getting done with my job, and then going someplace quiet. Mm. And, uh, and I like my, my colleagues. I like, you know, uh, my buddy Fred Tatashore. It's like, he's like one of my favorite people in the business. And he and I will get done with a session. We go grab a beer someplace. And we usually try to find someplace kind of quiet, someplace small. Um, you know, support someplace local and find a cool little area with a good bartender kind of thing. Just yeah. sit there and we just talk about life. But I'm not out to like, you know, he and I aren't taking selfies together and sharing it online. I mean, like, look at me, look at me with my buddy. It's like, there's a fine line between a lot of that. And so I struggle with the attention side of it. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I think in terms of, of seeking that spotlight, it's just, it's not me. I, I would much rather fancy myself, uh, if the animators and the producers and the directors and the, you know, the writers like what I'm doing, I feel like I'm doing a good job. Not to like psychoanalyze, but I'm, I'm I'm noticing some things just based on when you said that it's not a surprise that you are in voice acting to me, like based on the way you talked about the other comedians and the kind of crowd that is surrounded yeah. there and, and yeah. the not wanting the spotlight or the ego side of it or whatever. Like I've, I say this to voice actors all the time that your group is like the most egoless and like kindest people in entertainment that I've ever seen. So it doesn't surprise me at all whatsoever that that is a crowd that you would want to be around. Yeah, I think we like it that way. I mean, it's like it used to it, it now, and that's where I kind of am a little nervous about this whole social media influence of this casting side of things. 
because it used to be that it was like it was a normal job. It was one of the greatest jobs on earth. It still is one of the greatest jobs on earth, but it was like you could be a family person. You could have a life outside of LA, yet you were making LA being the industry, like you could still make industry money and still be a part of the industry, but you got to go home and shut off. I mean, I've had in the entirety of my career maybe five people recognize me in public. Mm. Now maybe maybe more have, I wouldn't know, and maybe they just don't say anything, but it's still not that many. It's, you know, when we start talking about I was like to use like this pie reference. It's like, take a pie. Pie is all of entertainment. Now take the pie and, and, you know, whittle that down to like cartoons. Now whittle it down to people who are into cartoons, who are into the voices of the cartoon characters. Now they're into it so much that they would be willing to follow them on social media or, or watch any cartoon or buy any video game that they're in simply because they like that actor. That slice gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. That's true. Now cut to people who are so aware of it that they would actually recognize you out in public kind of thing. And so I liked that. I and I still do like that. I I covet that. I I like my personal life kind of being personal, but I also love that I get to go in and go to a job where I can leave that job in a far better mood than when I arrived because it's so the release of the creative energy and getting to be a part of a creative team that we collectively collaboratively have this this creative vision that somebody started with that's going to get executed and I get to be a part of it. It's like there's nothing better in the world. Yeah. But I like that I can show up and be good at my job. And, and do right by somebody who's hoping to execute something that they believe in. And then I get to walk away. Yeah. That's kind of important to me. And it's not about glamour. It's not about, you know, accolades. It's not about attention. It's not about being famous or anything like that. In fact, I, I really, really, really struggle with it. Mm. Um, I, I've got some weird sort of anxiety issue related to like even just social interactions. I, okay. I will be the kind of person who leaves an interaction with somebody I know and love and they love me and I'll leave and I'll be like, oh, why did I say that? That was so stupid. <laughs> was, oh man, they're going to think I'm so like, like they, they think I'm, I'm self-centered. You know, it's like, it's almost Woody Allen-esque of like, you know, these things, you know. <laughs> and so the idea that I have that in a public forum now, it's not, I don't, I don't do well with it. So it's kind of, you know, believe me, the most nervous thing that I have throughout my day is when I hit uh, send tweet, you know, or, yeah, yeah. or release this joke or, you know, do this thing that it's like, man, I hope people don't hope people don't think I'm stupid. Like, what if that woman is attractive, you know, and I find her attractive and she might think, well, Roger seems like a nice guy. I'd like, oh, he's doing hand farts in public, you know, <laughs> as a grown man. I go, well, there, he's off my list. You know, it's like, that's the way the brain works. It's like, yeah. you just start going, uh, and, and so I don't, I don't seek it out and yet I'm a total ham. So it's yeah. kind of like, I like the idea that I might do something that you like and that maybe brightens your day or that, that maybe makes you think I'm happier than I might really be, <laughs> which sounds tragic, <laughs> but it's like, why not? It makes yeah. me feel good. It makes you feel good. Then it's a win-win, but then I want to be done. And then I might want to have a conversation with you about existentialism or the night sky or something else other than my business. And I think it does. It throws people off. They're, they're a little bit like, oh, you'd rather sit there and talk about photography than you would about getting to be the voice of Batman. I'm like, yeah, I would. <laughs> because that's that's a thing and I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm not acting like it's like I'm better than that or that it, it's not amazing, but it doesn't define me. It's not necessarily. Right, right. And at the end of the day, I there's this fine line between recognizing that I get to be a grown-up who get, who plays pretend, you know, behind a, a microphone mm. and gets to be a part of like some some really cool projects that at the end of the day aren't curing cancer, aren't, you know, solving a lot of world problems, that kind of thing. We're, we're entertaining. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I love this industry. I love what to get, I get to be a part of, 
but it it doesn't necessarily define me and i think there's a lot more to this existence than just this one element yeah it's interesting to hear yourself describe yourself because i, I mean i've had the pleasure of interviewing you at several different cons over the years and in those press rooms, you seem like one of the most extroverted people. <laughs> I don't know if you're just like you said, you just like to ham it up. And that's what kind of comes across. But I've always found you very easy to talk to. Well, I like personal interactions. I like people. I mean, it's like right off the bat, I, it's like I want to like you and I want you to like me. And it's like and to me, that's fun. That That's a joyful connection that can be shared by people. And it's uh, but it's. It, it's interesting. I, I am extroverted to a degree, and I will absolutely turn it on when I need to. I mean, I was doing stand-up comedy in, you know, in front of hundreds of people, and it yeah. was like, yeah, that takes a certain element of like, I'm okay with this, and and that was definitely an aspect of it that I liked. But then it would be like my favorite when I. It's funny when I think of moments from comedy, they're almost all centered around times when I was laughing with somebody afterwards, like. The show went well, we were all happy, and then all the comics get together, or it's like, or you, or you had some family or some friends in the show that night, and they wanted to go across the street, you know, to the diner, and it's like, you sit there, and it's, those are always my memories. I, I have brief flashes of what it was like on stage, mm -hmm. but none of that is like, yeah, man, I killed it that night. It's like, no, I remember going for a hike earlier that day with one of the, the other groups of, uh, you know, the comics that were there because we were doing a, a show for like the military and we were out yeah. in the desert and yeah. we all went for a hike and we just were cracking each other up saying the worst jokes to one another. <laughs> that's what I remember. Not the fact that, yeah, I got like a standing O or, you know, it's like, it's like, that's nice, but it was like, no, it was that connection element. So I know that there's an extrovert in here, but I would say, yeah, I, I, I need things to be kind of small. I do not seek or crave attention at all. I get that. And, and it, in fact, it makes me feel gross when I think people think that of me simply because of my online persona or the mm. stand-up comedy background or the, the voice actor or, you know, like a guy being silly and making hand farts and doing all that kind of stuff. He must really want all that out there. And it's like, yes, but but probably maybe only 5% believe it or not. It's like 95% 95% of me wants to like sit down, crack a beer and let's chat. Like what are you afraid of? Like what do you, what is the most inspiring thing you've ever experienced in life? You know, what are you passionate about like outside of this? Like, you know, yeah. if you could go anywhere right now, where would you be? You know, like just the the real stuff of just daily existence life kind of stuff yeah, is more yeah. what I'm into, you know. Speaking of your passions, uh the photography. Yes. So I'm a professional photographer too. So Oh no way, very cool. Yeah. So I mean it's like my second job. I'm actually an elementary teacher and then Oh great. A photographer and then all this other stuff too. So So then you understand like when I made my my teacher reference, it's like do a lot of people go, wait, wait, wait. Elementary school. Yeah, right. Fascinating. <laughs> so so what age range are we talking here? Okay. <laughs> Okay, and what do you think, like, an average day for you? Describe, it's like... It's yeah, like, exactly. And and thank you for saying I'm a professional photographer, too, because that's an insult to professional photographers uh, by implying that I, what I do is professional. So I uh, I am a hobbyist uh, for now, for sure. I, I actually... I would like to, to take some schooling in it. I mean, you could sell that stuff. You can... Uh, come on. No, you know what? I say this all the time, because I've, 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 I've had people... Uh, like ask for prints and I've said yeah that's fine like I'll send you a link and you can yeah. do this but I'm not buying it for you and it's like if you want to buy it that's fine you want to yeah, pay yeah. for the print go right ahead but I know look I'm still at that mountain phase of a lot of my photography or even the astrophotography of the nightscapes I look at a lot of it and I go "Ooh, I've got so much to learn still mm. uh, because I can see I don't have that really polished you know final look to it or yeah I don't know that I want to do this if I turn it into a business too much then yeah. it's you know it, it's it's served as a really nice tool for me to inspire others to get up off the couch, put the video game controller down, 
go outside and and it's given me a, a, a reason to kind of be passionate about something that I like pursuing. But I don't know. I mean, if I was to go down the pro route, I would very likely actually go take some courses in it. Mm-hmm. Just just as I suggest to anybody who wants to be taken seriously as a voiceover actor, you got to have a little bit of training under your belt that I would do the same thing. And, yeah. and for right now, I've taken some workshops that are kind of, you know, they're fun and that kind of thing. And they give you the, the basics, but it's not really fully understanding the aspects of it. And so there's a part of me that's like, yeah, if they want to buy it, that's great. But I, I usually send them to other people that I that I know and work with and say, that's what you want to go look at. And look at the difference. Look at how those stars are pinpointed and mine are a little bloated and a little fat. And, you know, yeah. it's like, that's the difference <laughs> between high quality and hobbyist. And right now I'm more hobbyist. So thank you. What is it uh, about the night sky that kind of captures? Because when it comes to photography, that's not one of the easier things to start with based on the amount of light you have to work with and everything. You know what's funny, though? And I would encourage anybody who's thinking about photography to actually maybe consider start with uh, nighttime photography. One of the reasons being it it all of a sudden unlocked my daytime skills that much better or even really? just shooting something indoors because you you have to understand the what they call the exposure triangle, I mm-hmm. think is the term that I've heard. And how you manipulate those three different sort of settings that you can make within a digital camera to capture the thing that you want to capture. And yeah. when it comes to things like shooting the moon, the moon's exceptionally bright. True. So it's it's you know it's actually kind of difficult to shoot because it's so bright, and we don't think anything of that. But if you want to catch the moon with a little bit of the clouds in front of it, how do you do that? It's like now the moon's going to be overexposed if you want the clouds to be illuminated. There, there's all these things that you start to th- it wraps your brain around. Do I want to adjust my ISO here or do I want to adjust my shutter speed? Do I want to adjust, you know, the the aperture mm-hmm. or do I want to just... It, so that whole exposure triangle um, really comes into play and then it makes any sort of daytime setting that much easier. If it's sports photography and you go, ah, I want to, you know, I've, I've photographed my friends doing like concerts and stuff at night and I go, you know what, for this, I'm going to blur it out a little bit. So I'm going to slow down the shutter, make the ISO this, make my aperture that. And it's like, and, and it's all based on the way that I approach nighttime photography. So... Mm. I don't know that it's the the rules are a little simpler with uh, with nightscapes and things like that because you you basically you're only operating in a, around a certain ISO setting. Mm-hmm. Your aperture is usually almost as wide open as you can get it um, within reason. <laughs> yeah, to let as much light into the lens you know through the lens as possible, and your shutter speed is long. So it's kind of like you're 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 kind of going just on that brink of you know well now I'm getting star trails but you know. Uh, when you start getting into like depth of field and things like that that you do for like daytime photography, mm-hmm. it's a completely different you know ball That's game. That's true. So it's it's uh, I I would say you you can start in night photography to begin with, and you'll learn a lot about the settings of your camera. You'll learn how to do it without having to look at the menu, uh, which is kind of a nice thing. It comes in super handy when you're when I am photographing Taking you fast know hummingbirds, shots, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. I, and I go, oh, I gotta adjust this real quick. It's like you're doing it second nature because you've been doing it in the dark. For you know a few months and stuff like that, so yeah, it's not not a bad way to start. I would encourage people to to start there if they're if they're worried about it. Uh, to get back to the voice acting for a moment, yes. kind of talk about the craft. When you are given a character or uh, someone has come to you for a character, I assume sometimes it's they know you have a certain sound that you could do for this character, and that's why you're maybe approached. Mm-hmm. But if you're creating a character from scratch that you don't know a ton about, where do you start with that? That's entirely up to the the staff. I mean, that's uh, that's the beauty of this business is that it's like a lot. I think a lot of people have this misconception that we that we walk in and I go, well, here's the voice I'm going to do. And yes, for an audition, they send you specs and things like that that they claim they're looking for. They might give you like a celebrity sort of like you know uh, uh, archetype kind of thing that they're looking to try to have you fulfill. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, but you're still trying to like interpret, and then you just sort of go, I'll give this a shot. But once you get to the gig. 
nine times out of ten, it's 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 them saying we're looking for this kind of a thing, and so you just start literally throwing your vocal stuff against the wall and hoping something sticks. Mm. And and it's and it is collaborative in that in that regard. I mean, it's it's up to the writers, the directors, the producers to kind of say we want this character to embody this. And if the casting associate has said, okay, there's here's your top five guys that I think would be in that realm. Uh, or ladies, or whatever it might be that they're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, here's here's your top five selections, and uh, and and then those people come in, and they all start throwing their their voices against the wall and hope something sticks. Um, the the staff that's behind the glass is it's their project, you know. It's like I'm showing up as this vocal, you know, lump of clay that they can take and hopefully shape the way they want. But it's their project. They wrote the words. They have the character designs down. They've been trying to get the thing financed, all that kind of stuff. So it's my job yeah. to walk in and say, what are you guys looking for? And then it becomes as much information and detail, and I ask as many questions as I can to be like, well, is he this? Is he that? Is he more aloof? Is it, oh, is he kind of, is he a smoker? Or is he like, are okay. we going broad? Are we going, you know, theatrical? Is it, you know, who's our demographic here? Is it for little kids? Okay, so should I slow down my cadence a little bit? I tend to talk and go too quick to begin with and <laughs> all the caffeine. Um, and you know, all those questions shape what choices I will then make. Okay. And it's a, but it's never, I can't take full credit for, for any, I mean, even Batman, I, I like, if we go back to Arkham origins in 2013, we spent the first week of sessions on that, just working out vocal prints for the character. Is, is there ever like, especially with something like Batman, when, when you have like Kevin Conroy, yep. who's the quintessential voice of Batman, yep. is there a weird temptation to like, mimic that or come close to that i can't come close to kevin conroy he's got pipes that are just like legendary um (laughs) but yes and in fact that was what we were sort of really trying to figure out as a group once you know once i'd gone through the auditions and i got cast then it was like we were all working together to go because at the time there were so many sort of versions of batman that that people knew Mm. and since it was an origin story they were like well if we should we try to go the Christian Bale route, you know, like, should we do a little bit of that? Like, should we work a little bit of that? So we literally start, you know, kind of the swear with you, swear to me, like, you know, we yeah, don't yeah. build that gravelly kind of a thing. But we were like, nah, that doesn't work. And it's like more and more because of what we were doing, we we're like, well, look, it's an origin story to this world. We've got to listen to what like Kevin and Mark did with their roles and try to do something that would be conceivably understandable that, okay, if this was where they started, yes, as they got a little bit older and a little more grizzled and a little more, you know, battle hardened, it's mm-hmm. like they, they would sound like Kevin and Mark. And that was what we sort of settled into. But yeah, I mean, even, even with Sonic the Hedgehog, it was the same thing. It's like, you know, for the audition, and this goes back to probably 2009, for the audition, they were showing footage of all the, all the old versions of Sonic. Like Julia White? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, from all that, Sonic X, you know, so- Sonic Saddam, like everything that was going on, they were showing us that, including the different games. So I knew, you know, what Ryan and, and uh, Jaleel and Jason had all been doing to have a better understanding of like, okay, this is where we want to live, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, and this is, this is where it kind of lives right now, but we're going to age it up a little bit, or we're going to do something a little bit different. You go, okay, but if I step too far outside that box, we alienate everybody you're mm-hmm. never going to satisfy everyone especially in the sonic fan base um but you know that i always say look the, the brilliance of like anybody who can take a version of the joker and do something different with it and not have everybody go wait a minute no 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 yeah it's like they they there's a fine line like 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 we we like to say you could go as crazy as you want you go yeah but if it starts getting clownish or too cartoony then it's not good there's, there's always got to be that there's this, in, this sort of intangible kind of like barrier that exists and you got to work within those those barriers. And again, that is still a collaborative thing. That's where it's like, 
I didn't walk in and go, this is your Batman. It's like, yeah. no, it's like, no, let's, let's, cause we were playing with like smokier versions of it. And, you know, we were doing everything we could think of, including just deadpan, you know, like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Were, we went through everything we could think of. And then we finally settled on it. No, he needs to be passionate and a little unsettled and a little bit, you know, kind of a wet behind the ears kind of thing that he's, you know, he's, he's still learning the ways because uh, that's the, the sort of the origin story. Sure. And what it was like to rely on, you know, needing others like Alfred and all that kind of stuff was the, the, the whole story behind that. And so we were like, okay, it makes sense that he just would sound like a younger version of Kevin Conroy with a little bit more angst, you know, cause he's <laughs> kind of a punk little kid by comparison to, yeah. you know, Kevin's, Kevin's Batman. So, but uh, again, that was the collaborative element of everybody working on that together. Awesome. Uh, obviously you've played an insane amount of characters at this point. Is there a character for you that surprised you in its popularity? Like you were doing it and you're like, oh, this is a little thing. And then all of a sudden, boom, it was this massive character you didn't expect. Mirage from Apex Legends. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, honestly, that that has blown up and what a cool sort of community they've created. It's like it's kudos to EA and Respawn for what they've done online and in welcoming the fan base and being as upfront and honest with things, you know, with with their following I was really impressed on the on the, the day that that game launched because to answer your question, I can remember booking this gig. It was one of the first sort of like full body performance captured gigs that I had done. Okay, and I and it was like it was embarrassing for me. I felt like super stressed out. I was like, you know, the Chantel Van Santen was was there, and she's this big on camera actress, and she's yeah. gorgeous. And I was like, I have no business being here. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And she leans in over me and she goes like, hey, man, have you ever done this before? And I was like, no. She's like, okay, good. We're like, we're totally sticking together in this. I was like, great, because I thought you were like a, you know, and, it's like, and so all of us are cracking up on that, that one, you know, particular day. And then at lunch break, we're all sitting around chatting and, and, and I was talking to one of the developers and I was like, so when, are you, when is this, uh, when is this thing coming out? Like, I had no idea what this was. Wow. I mean, I, I knew that it was sort of like Titanfall-esque and I was like, I didn't know what we were doing. And he goes, yeah, it's coming out in a, like next, uh, next year. And I'm like, when next year? And he goes, we're thinking January. And I'm like. It's November and we're, oh. we're like, exactly. And I'm like, Whoa. oh yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, good luck with that. And he's like, in my mind, I'm going, Psst. I was like, dude, that's not, and he's like, yeah. And we're going to just drop the entire thing. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, we're going to drop the trailer, the game and everything all in one I day. remember that. That was out of nowhere. Exactly. And I just remember thinking, wow, but in this day and age, how do you find an audience doing that? What if you, you could just get like. You know, you could get looked over and then you're done. And I just remember in my mind going, I, that's crazy to me, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there, I think it was the day after Super Bowl. It was, it was day after, uh, day after Super Bowl. Cause we, this February we just celebrated one year, which is so bizarre to me. Cause it seems like it's five years old right now. Right. Because of how massive the thing has become. But it was like day after Super Bowl and all of a sudden my phone kind of dings off with like this little like tweet alert of like, so-and-so mentioned you in a, in their comment or something like that. And I'm like. Okay, and I open it up, and I'm like, what is this? What's Apex? And I was like, I didn't even remember the name of the game or, like, what it was. And I was like, what is this? And and then I, apparently I had missed an email oh. later or, or late that night that they had said, hey, guys, it's going live tomorrow just to give you the heads up kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what was happening. And then all of a sudden these, these people are reaching out. They're going like, hey, man, I think I hear you in this new game called Apex Legends. And, and it was working under a code name. So, you know, because oh, almost okay. all these projects do. So I was like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, so I, I start initially replying with, I'm not sure because you, you try to like make sure you're not, you know, feeding the, uh, the, the frenzy of some misinformation or, or a troll account or somebody yeah, yeah. who's doing something, you know, snarky out there. And so I was like, I, I don't know. And then I finally figured out, I'm like, oh, no way. That's the game. And then it's like, I look and it's just exploding. And it was wow. like, I watched it. I mean, within a week, I forget how many, you know, unique uh, players they've had. And I think they're up over 80 million right now worldwide. So it's just like. 
how much that blew up and then for the fan base to really like that character was was really kind of cool and again kudos to the respawn crew for letting us and the eit team for letting us sort of like get into that booth if you follow any of the voice actors from that game they've done such a really cool job with casting appropriately with a tremendous amount of diversity and with also taking the storylines like real seriously and trying to deliver something that's very unique mm. and gives fans a chance to connect to something that they might either identify with or like or or whatever and and of course my character to a certain degree for the longest time was just sort of like the 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 happy go lucky kind of you know goofball character so again perfect casting <laughs> um, and uh, but they allowed us to in the booth kind of play with these characters and give them our own sort of spins and touches and things that um, that's rare because a lot of times you get people who just want you to do the thing they want you to do live in that box and don't go outside and yeah. don't definitely don't don't contribute just do you know dance this is all we want you to do stay right there it's like oh okay but they didn't do that they were open to like suggestions and ideas and we worked together as a team to kind of create this little character of Mirage uh, and give him little idiosyncrasies that kind of make him unique and to this day, it's, it's interesting. People say, like, what, what character are you most like? And I have lately have been saying, I think Mirage more than anything, only because they will come up with the dialogue lines and then I'll pepper in little ad-libs at the very end. But mm. those ad-libs are usually of like a self-deprecating nature. Um, <laughs> and I go, and that's me. I go, you might see me get my little dad joke and all that kind of stuff. But if I hit end video... I guarantee you the words that follow that are, you're such an idiot. You know, it's like, it's just like, dude, you're such a loser. This is so stupid. It's like, and that to me is sort of like that character of Mirage. And yet they've also painted a really kind of a, they've teased a little bit of a backstory there with, mm. with, with a guy that's suffering with some things. And like, you know, he's a bit of a mama's boy, but with a good reason. And he's kind of going through something where the, the implication that his mom might be suffering from dementia or something, or she doesn't even know who he is, but he's trying to win all these matches for her. And, mm. you know, it's like, it, it's loss, um, I guess would be the, uh, the, the overall theme. But yeah, I, 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 to this day, if I do anything, you know, related to Apex Legends, it, it just gets a tremendous response. And I was like, wow, who'd have thought? And it, it's so, it's such a great lesson too, because I tend to, even with my own industry, you know, just be like, you know, cynical and, 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 you know, f the first approach is kind of like, nah, what do I, what do I not like about this? Or can I judge this? And it's like, no, th that's so, it's so dumb to do that because mm -hmm. you never know what people are going to like, uh, and, and what you're missing out on by, by sort of being cynical or being sarcastic or, you know, it, it, having a healthy skepticism when it comes to like news and, and politics and things like that's pretty, yeah. pretty good, pretty good idea. But, but in terms of like art and things like that, just, you know, trying to be open as, as much as possible to, to begin with, to maybe get a better understanding of it, what it's trying to maybe do, uh, has been an important lesson because I, I all of a sudden just thought, all right, I'm gonna just, what am I doing? What I, I, you guys just want me to do this thing? Like, okay, cool. And I didn't understand the breadth and the, the, the sort of reach that this, this game would have, and people are really responding to it really well. So it's, it's, it's an awesome thing to be a part of, and I'm very proud of, uh, of being involved in that, that, that gaming community. So it's been a neat, neat surprise. With the motion capture with that, so you're doing like the the emotes and stuff like that because I know that it's not a huge narrative portion like within the no. gameplay itself of Apex. So yeah, it was more for the trailers. So okay. it was like literally for their their sort of story trailers that they were setting up. Um, you know, it was the it was the first time I was in a in a in the the, the ping pong ball you know unitard, <laughs> and uh, and I was so frustrated because it was like we were given so very little information and it was because there's some third party individuals that were involved where it was like, it was like the telephone game. Mm. And so my, and we, and I've had this happen before where you, if you go into like the on camera world as a voiceover person, it's a 50, 50 shoot as to whether or not you're going to be treated with any sort of respect 
or if you're going to be known as like the day player that's mm. just there because you have to be. And they, they literally look down their nose at you. Yeah. And it's like, I've been in the business long enough to where like my agent knows. I'm like, dude, tell them no. I don't want to go. I'm not doing that. I just don't want to go. It's not worth the the ding to my my self image, and it's not worth the ding to my dignity to to be mistreated by that side of the business mm-hmm. when I when I don't need to be. And so there was a lot of miscommunication, and so I went in super apprehensive and nervous, and not knowing what I was getting myself into. And and one of the assistant directors like walk in, who I am very friendly with now, but it was so funny at the time. Walk in, and he goes, "All right, we're gonna get to meet. Uh, we're gonna need to get this guy in some platforms or something like that because I was so short." <laughs> and I was like, and, and I like in my mind, I'm like, hmm. I was like, you know, saying every word I could think of yeah. to this guy. And I was like, well, there you go. Here, here's how the day starts. And then nobody told me like the correct clothing to wear or bring. So I was wearing like flat shoes. My, my legs were killing me by the end of the day. I should have been in athletic shoes. They put me in these, uh, they, well, that, I shouldn't say that it was another time, but they put me in these like Frankenstein platforms and then put risers in the thing. So I oh, had, man. and then they had me running on the stage and it was like, I almost rolled my ankle because it was like, you know, you're on something that's literally about four inches high. And you know, it's like, it was silly, but, and I, I should have been wearing, um, uh, briefs instead of boxers. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So that was a fun, uh, Fun part for for me with a with a unitard that's very form fitting. I was just like, hey, my eyes are up here, everybody, <laughs> the whole day. And even if that wasn't going on, I was super self conscious of that entire thing. So it was this whole frustrating thing, and then it it all worked out for the best. Um, but yeah, that was uh, it was just for the trailers. It was like okay, you know, and it was and it was it was it's been a fascinating ride. It really and truly has. Like it's been a really interesting thing because they also were in such a rush because of the way that they were doing this. Like they were taking a huge not risk, but they were just doing something that was sort of like, hey, man, we're going to do it and do it differently, but we're going to do it this way. Mm. And look how it's paid off. It's it's just so cool to see how how big the game has gotten. It's going to be around for a while because I mean, so. content's still rolling out. People are still jumping in. Like, this is long term. They're diligently working on it, and yeah. they always have new stuff in the works. I, I will, and, and then it also turned into, again, I'm, I'm fortunate that I got selected to be that role, and then that the fan base responded to the character was great. Um, that, it, that he's there for a little bit of levity, and uh, and it all culminated in getting to the live performance, uh, the the live performance capture at the VGAs and the uh, the video game awards. Oh, that's uh, with so Jeff, cool. Jeff Keeley was like that was, and we had an audience of however many millions of people, and to do something like that live and to know that you have one shot, and uh, and we had days of rehearsals going into it, and the day of there were hiccups and things, and it was like. There's all manner of things that could have gone wrong, and and yet, and that was just like you want to talk about my heart pounding, knowing what I was doing, and know that we had to one shot, get it live, and do this thing. It was it was sort of uh, groundbreaking in the fact that nobody had really done that kind of thing. It's live interaction using mocap in yeah. real time, rendered in real time, all the banks of computers that were you know behind me, all that kind of stuff, and to pull it off. Uh, and again, it's like my memories aren't of. Yeah, I was the guy that was in, you know, this this mocap suit and on stage. It's like, no, my my memories are of all the people in this little offsite room that we were in, just across the the little quad from the the convention hall, I guess, or the the theater mm-hmm. where they were having this event. And it's like, you know, it's the EA and the the mill uh, team that was there. That was, you know, the the EA respawn mill team that was there to to pull off this crazy endeavor. And it's the people. It's like that's the stuff that I remember from it. And it's like that that to me is also like getting to be in these voiceover sessions uh, for Apex with the writing crew and 
uh, th- that's those are my fun moments. It's it's not that I like pick up the game and start playing it to go like, oh, look how good I am with this character. It's like, <laughs> nah, it's still just a neat thing that like, hey, we all created something together and people like it. And it, that's a good thing. That's a cool thing. That's amazing. Uh, it's kind of wrap up. I guess the last thing that I wanted to ask about was Sonic. Obviously, the the movies out there, which yep. is awesome, by the way. I'm sure you've Great. seen that. Nope. No. Oh no. <laughs> no. Oh okay. no. Um, yeah. I, I guess the the question is like, uh, when you've been with that character for so long, yeah, and you hear that that movie's coming up, is there the hand that goes up? They're like, hey, I've been doing that. Like, I'm pretty good at Sonic. And do yeah. you get a chance to audition, or did they just go in a different direction? No, they went in a different direction. Yeah, and it was like, it was one of those things we knew about it for a couple years. You know, long before even other people were talking about it we you know because of our connection with uh with sega okay. and so they had said hey heads up this is coming down the pike we have nothing to do with it we should let you know that right off the bat so oh, we, don't, okay. we don't get a say in any of this and it, went, it was like okay cool and so we started to reach out my agency reached out and you know for a while there it's like you don't hear anything and you can't get in touch with anybody and then finally we heard and it was like it sounds great we'll let you know and my agent at the time was like i think that sounds pretty positive i was like no dude <laughs> that's that's them going uh go away so I, I have thoughts and, and things on, on that entire thing. And it's 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 a frustration of this side of the business. I am thrilled uh, for Ben Schwartz, who could not be a nicer, more graceful, more uh, gracious, I should say, more selfless, uh, like just an awesome person to be in that role and, and affiliated with the film and has been so understanding and giving and and really professional about mentioning Jaleel and Ryan and Jason and myself like in interviews, um, mm. which is so appreciated. And, and I guarantee you that's not coming from the top down. I think that's his character coming through and the, the quality of a human being that he is as yeah. a person that he feels it important to, to acknowledge this. And yet there's a part of me, too, that's just like, I hate this aspect of this business. Yeah. Uh, because it is a little bit when you've been doing something for 10 years to not even be given a, a chance to to make it to a list, uh, it, which is just a euphemism. But it's like, yeah, it's frustrating. And it's and it this stuff happens. It's a part of the business. And yeah. I know there's tiny violins playing everywhere for me right now. But but it is a part of the business. And it and it happens all the time. This this sort of stuff uh, takes place. I mean, um, and 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 I guess I've reached an age where I'm kind of like. I'm okay saying I don't like it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I understand decisions are made and they're very difficult decisions and that kind of thing. But there's also times where you go, hmm, the optics of the way they've handled themselves in, in the release of the film, the release of that first trailer, uh, Colleen's involvement at the end. And, you know, it's like, uh, th- there's a lot about the way the premiere went that I thought was, hmm, I don't like this. I don't yeah. like the way they're, they, this to me shows that they don't maybe necessarily understand their fan base all that well. Uh, based upon the way that they were handling it and the arrogance of like the on-camera world tends to do that over and over again, the yeah. big studio system. So, so there's part of me, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever see it or not. Yeah. You know, if that, uh, well, it is, it is good. <laughs> well, good or no, I, obviously it is. I mean, it's like, you know, I thought it was funny. Somebody's like, it's the number one movie in America. And I'm like, yeah, the whole movie industry shut down in February. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's go back. ahead and yeah, let's tone it back just a little bit uh, yeah. if we might. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, no, I'm look, as Ben has said too in interviews, he's like anything that that helps promote this um, this franchise is what we all want, and, yeah. and I'm absolutely in agreement. And I've said that since day one. Like anything that furthers, I mean, there's an entire generation of, now of people that are that are experiencing this this character and this franchise for the first time, and it's, that's awesome. There there are little issues of things that I've seen from performance wise that I go ah, that's the difference though between them not understanding 
the the history of this character the way that I do or that anybody that's been doing it yeah. for 10 years that's been involved with this for 10 years there's a couple things and I'm not even going to bother mentioning what they were but it's like that I go no if I was in the booth I know that I would have said whoa Sonic doesn't say that we, we shouldn't do that yeah I mean I got I got the pleasure of working with Peter Cullen and Frank Welker for a weekend oh, at wow. a con oh my god yeah oh but yeah. Peter is very precious about Optimus. So yeah. like people were getting uh, voice recordings from him and there are things that he just won't say. He's like, Optimus wouldn't say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do that all the time. I mean, it's like, and there's there's a fine line. I mean, there's there's a there's a fine line that we walk all the time as hired guns in the business. And it's like, you know, because you don't want to be perceived as being difficult, but there's a, also a part of you that, that thinks, but I want to be a steward of this business and I want to be a steward of the character and yeah. protect the character and let you know that maybe you're doing something that is so out of character that the fan base might not like it. Now, I'm all for progressing and adapting and bringing these characters along into the new age and whatnot, but there's sometimes, again, that box, you know, yep. it's it's like if all of a sudden Batman was to drop an F-bomb in a game, you'd be like... I don't know. That's not the Batman that I, I don't think he, uh, that's sort of weird. I yeah, guess, not is that quite a, necessary. Does that, yeah. Does that make him more contemporary or edgy? It's like, no, there's other ways of doing that. Maybe we should find a way to do that. And collaboratively, you hope that that's what goes on, but it takes people that have been involved in something for a while to be able to do that. Yeah. You've got to have the collaboration of people who have been around. And I think the way that they released that first trailer shows they weren't really interested in that. Very true. And that's the part that I go, yeah, that's, that was money wasted. And a lot of man hours, uh, you know, human hours uh, that were uh, that were wasted in in the name of what studio arrogance or I don't know what. Um, mm. And and so there's there's a little bit of that. I just look at this and go, it's fascinating. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah, and a fair assessment. So and uh, it's not that I say that I don't support it, but it's like I also don't have to like it, right? Because because there there's there's one human being right now who is in this weird position in life to where. If I was to ever say to somebody, like, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm a voice actor. Uh, anything what I've heard? I'm like, uh, it just depends. I mean, I, I don't know. Sonic the Hedgehog. And it's like for the people, no way. And you go, yeah, yeah. I was in Wreck-It Ralph and Wreck-It Ralph 2 and have done it, you know, for a long time on cartoon series and all that. Now what you get is in the movie and you get to be the guy who gets to tell everybody, no, not in the movie. Yeah. And there's nobody else on the face of their shirt who's going to deal with that poor, sad little moment. <laughs> but it is true. And it's like, so there's a part of me, it's like, yeah, I don't like that about this business, but I also fully get it. It's one of the reasons why. If what I wanted to be involved in to avoid this sort of thing was the profit sharing or the absolute control and all kinds of stuff, I'd go be a producer. Mm. But I'm a voice actor. I'm a hired gun. I am, in every way, a day player. And it's like, uh, so I get it. And that's the way this industry works. And this industry is out there to make money. And if they're going to be worried about any element of like, well, who's that? And there's no star power there or there's no name recognition or mm -hmm. we can't have somebody nobody's ever heard of. It's like, okay. All right, I get it. If that's the way they're going to go, that's the way they're going to go. Business being business. Yeah, it's a business. Yeah, you know, it's art versus commerce, and we're always towing that line. So it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, I, I get it. But again, I don't have to like it. <laughs> so, so that's where I'm at. I mean, at my age too, it's just kind of like these are not these are all good problems. I have been voicing a yeah. character for a decade, and uh, and that's a pretty that's a pretty big uh, honor. Uh, and it's, and it's a coveted position to be that, in. So. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for the time today. I really appreciate oh, thank you, this. Man. This thank was you. so much fun for me. You're always a good interview. So I appreciate that. Thank you for even reaching out. So I, I thank you. Oh, no. Thank you. 
Um, is there anything else we can promote for you, uh, whether it be social media or any uh, projects that just released or anything like that? Uh, maybe social media. Just just follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram at Roger Craig Smith. And then do me a favor. I've become a delegate of this um, association known as the International Dark Sky Association. Okay. So I'm trying to advocate for for uh, educating on light pollution, the effects that it has on on the earth and what we can do. Uh, very simple gestures that we can do as people to, to actually reverse this one very reversible form of of pollution on earth and so yeah it's called uh, the international dark sky association it's at ida dark sky on both uh, twitter and instagram and give them a follow and you you might see me doing stuff on there and this whole week we have it's international dark sky week oh okay yeah and it's uh so that's all the way through um because the new moon is this week so it's nice and dark skies out there on uh, wednesday tomorrow as we record this uh, wednesday is the new moon and um and so they're doing all these lectures and talks and you know it's uh, there's a website called idsw.darksky.org if people want to go there they will find out all sorts of information um, it's a really cool cool international group of human beings that are trying to to protect our night skies so cool. we can see those stars yeah yeah that's about it yeah and i'll link to it in the show notes too so people can click that and cool check out your twitter and all that stuff all in the same place so thank you thank you awesome thank you so much dude thank you clear skies everyone <laughs> there it is a huge thanks again to roger craig smith for joining me the Geek Generation is part of the Geek Generation Network. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We may even read your review on an upcoming episode. Watch our live events at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. You can support the show and get access to exclusive bonus content by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Continue the conversation with us on our Discord server at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord. You can send emails with your questions and comments to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back soon with more geeky stuff for you, and we will see you then. Later. Make it so.